Sometimes, when the moment is right and the sparks fly, dating can be magic. But even the most romantic connection can get a little awkward. And the dog's kind of watching us at this point, and so it started to lick my ear. True Dating Stories is the new CBC podcast that explores the messy corners of romance. Real-life tales told by the people who live them. I'm tied up on this dude's bed, and there's nobody around to help. True Dating Stories is available from CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, listeners. Just so you know, this episode has a bit of cursing in it, just in case you're listening around younger years. People are curious, and that's great. But there are some questions you just shouldn't ask, or at least not like that. I'm Harvinder Vadva. I'm Elena Hudgens-Lyle. And this is Inappropriate Questions. Let's get inappropriate. So this episode, we're breaking down the question, have you lost weight? Harv, when you were growing up in India, what were people's attitudes about weight like? Uh, India had different uh, beauty standards, at least at that time. Right. So if somebody was a little what is considered an overweight here hmm. uh, was considered good uh, because that person had enough money to eat food. Right. So, so they used to use the word healthy. Hmm. Then again, things have changed there as well because, again, obesity have, has become a problem in India. So again, the attitude has changed. Uh, but at that time, it was very, very different. Huh. That's interesting. Do you think right now India's beauty standards are kind of like the way they are here? Pretty much. Pretty much. So thinness is really valued. Now, yes. And thinness is kind of associated with beauty and health. and uh, uh, Yeah, all, all those good things. You you know, even if you don't go to the gym, it's assumed yes. that uh, uh, you work out. Yes, you get the automatic <laughs> yes. benefit of the doubt. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love seeing more body positive stuff on the internet these days. I love seeing people who are trying to encourage more self-love and self-care. But sometimes I can't put that into practice. I go home and I look at Instagram and then I look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, I, I know in my head that everybody is beautiful. But then I look at my body and I'm like, no, I still feel <laughs> bad about it. So sometimes they say ignorance is bliss, and yes. that's where I am. Millennials have a whole lot of tools, the social media tools. Yes. All I have is a mirror. Right. That helps me tie my turban. <laughs> so <laughs> so every I don't day. even Yeah. So I don't even look at uh, my body. <laughs> <laughs> this episode, we're talking to some guests who identify as fat or plus size, who can give us a personal perspective on this question. Mm, wonderful. Looking forward to that. People feel the right to be able to comment on you and your worth based on how much space you take up. I don't think that there's a wrong way to have a body. Honestly, when people said anything to me about my weight at all, it was precarious. Just as a content warning, some of our guests will be talking about experiences with eating disorders and self-harm. We understand this might be difficult to listen to. First up, we are speaking to Steph Conover, who goes by her stage name, Ivory. 
I am a mixed race, six foot dragon lady. <laughs> I'm a fire breather, stage performer, and a whole lot of women. <laughs> That's not even all. Ivory is also a plus size model and an athlete. She's also a founding member of the Succulent Six, a group of plus size women who work to promote self-love and body positivity. Let's first uh, welcome yeah, yeah. Ivory. Hey. And Ivory, <laughs> your enthusiasm is infectious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love the energy Thank which you. you have and that kind of, it just exudes. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Can you tell us about a time someone asked you, have you lost weight? Oh boy, I, it happens all the time. It happens so often that I actually don't take it in anymore. Right. You know, I, I'll style my hair differently. I'll wear a different article of clothing. And people think that it's complimentary to say, wow, you look great. Have you lost weight? Mm -hmm. And it's weird because mm -hmm. as somebody who's recovered from eating disorders, as somebody who still battles depression, there's part of me that actually has that instant boost of serotonin where I go, yeah. ah, I look right. great. I'm skinny. Yeah. And then I'm like... <laughs> you are a plus size lady. You have not lost any weight. And if you had, it'll probably find you. And that's okay. Yeah. You can exist at whatever size you exist at and be happy there. Mm. When's the earliest memory you have of maybe receiving messaging or internalizing a narrative about your body? Oh, God. Probably um, five, six years old. Wow. Like you'd get invited over to a friend's house for dinner when you were a kid mm -hmm. and there's three other kids around the table who are average size and then little fat me mm -hmm. and their parents would portion control me as I'm sitting mm -hmm. at the table. And we've all just come from gymnastics practice <laughs> where we've all just come from playing tag and riding bikes in the backyard and I get half of what they get because their parent feels like wow. they need to you know, gauge my portions appropriately. Wow. You're not even my parent. What are you doing? Yeah. Um, I still remember developing early, <laughs> you know, and being a young gymnast in a bigger body. And my mother and my coach banded together to force me to wear a training bra when I was eight. And none of the other little girls had to wear a sports bra, but... Um, Quote, unquote, the spectators were disturbed by my jiggle. Oh, my God. What is that? I'm eight. Okay. okay. Right? The mention no, of jiggle I'm, has hard on it. I am right? getting uncomfortable. Yeah. 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 And how do you not carry that with you? Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know? And I don't think they, they knew that they meant anything by it, but yeah. that harm still carries with you. That harm still sticks. Whether we realize it or not, kids are really impressionable and they're consistently picking up and then parroting what, um, what they hear and what we say to them. And so then that narrative was sort of etched into my daily life. And that's when these behaviors started with, mm -hmm. you know, me having to justify where I eat, when I eat, you know? Hmm. I'm never sure what words I should be using when it comes to describing bodies. Mm. So whether it's plus size or bigger bodies and smaller bodies or fat and thin, what words do you use to describe bodies? If you got me three years ago, I would say don't use that word around me. It yeah. is a weaponized word and it's a word that we don't reclaim. Yeah. But absolutely, I do not feel that way now. Right. I use fat yeah. all the time. Yeah. Fat bodies are a cool thing. It's a descriptive cool. term. I'm trying to use it more often and get people to use it in a term that's sort of a generic descriptor versus 
carrying all this weight, you know, <laughs> mind the pun. No pun. Seriously. And really, though, it, it is a loaded word. And um, it is also just a, a plain descriptor. And I think the more that you um, disassociate it from uh, the pain that it may have caused, the easier it is to sort of reframe what that word can mean to you. And just the same way that I wouldn't mind if you called me a brunette. That's a descriptor. I shouldn't mind that you called me a fat babe. <laughs> you know? Yeah. As long as it's a babe. That, as long as it's a babe. It's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now we're making no it negative connotations. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I, uh, I want to uh, just uh, delve deep into two things. Sure. One, you said the word has been weaponized. Yeah. Can you elaborate on it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, growing up fat, your, your weight is often the topic of discussions that it should never be part of. Uh, and people feel the right to be able to comment on you and your worth and your size based on how much space you take up, you know. Literally, but also now I've come to, start to learn metaphorically, right? Um, and so the way that that word is sort of loaded up and fired at you perpetually when you're growing up, when you're still um, discovering your identity and who you are uh, and still finding your way is just atrocious. It's like... To put you down. That's uh, it. That's, absolutely. Okay, and okay. like, as with many other marginalized groups, mm -hmm. it just... Although it's a descriptive term, all of a sudden it's used against you and yeah. it's used to describe you as less than <laughs> because you're more than. So, so is using it more commonly kind of taking the sting out of this word? That's it. And I think it really is the community at large who has turned around and said, we're going to embrace it. We're going to turn around and we're going to make it ours. Yeah. But no, totally okay with fat. I also use curvy interchangeably. Cool. Plus size. Yeah. There's all sorts of great ways. Great. Looking at you. Yeah. There is no way in hell yeah. I can even assume mm -hmm. that you are less healthy. Ha! Thank you. So I appreciate that. Uh, in our society, yeah. if you are bigger yeah. or whatever the right term is, sure. <laughs> it, um, it's associated with ill health. Mm -hmm. It's funny because for me... Um, I've been active my entire life. So um, I'm usually in the gym five days a week. Wow. I was a six-day-a-week yogi for nine years. Wow. Um, I have been a competitive gymnast. I was in soccer, badminton, skiing since I could stand. I'm an equestrian. I ride every single weekend. Mm -hmm. um, I can squat 380 pounds. Why That's don't you tell us what you can do? <laughs> and you're right, is people often equate size to health, right? And it's one of the things that I'm always happy to dispel, uh, you know, depending on how they phrased it, context yeah. is everything, um, because I like showing people that there's an exception to every rule. My husband was a um, semi-pro uh, boxer, mm -hmm. cool. and he had, uh, you know, over 50 fights under his belt. He's about six feet tall, 150 pounds soaking wet, and is quite athletic looking, mm -hmm. but I can still do more sit-ups than him, mm -hmm. lift more than him, and usually do more hay bales at our farm than he can <laughs> in terms of taking care of our horses. But mm -hmm. you'd never know it standing us side by side if you were using that same lens of looking at sort mm -hmm. of um, body size as a as an indicator of health, you'd assume, oh, the fat girl can't do it, right? Mm. Damn right I can. Fair enough. <laughs> right? Fair enough. Wow. And I think it's an important and intelligent dialogue to have is that it's nice to have people out there like Lizzo, mm -hmm. you know, running circles around regular bodied people on stage showing her cardio levels. But alternatively, we need to make room for people who are just, you know, average activity Absolutely. level and 
walk around in a fat body the same way we leave room for people who are average activity level mm -hmm. and in a sort of straight-sized body. I think that the problem that gets thrown at fat people a lot is concern mm -hmm. trolling. There's a term for you. Have you heard of that? No. Nope. Okay, so you know trolls, right? <laughs> yes. So concern trolling. My kids called me. <laughs> <laughs> so concern trolling is a term for people who um, veil their criticisms mm -hmm. and usually their pre prejudices mm -hmm. of uh, a marginalized group with um, concern. the underscore of concern, yeah, right? Yeah. So uh, I have nothing against fat people. I'm just worried about her health. It's yeah. not healthy. Yeah. It's BS because at the end of the day, you don't see people saying mm -hmm. that about straight size humans. So yeah. why do we feel like we can pass that judgment? Correct. Yeah. A and I think that we can absolutely try to encourage all of us to live our best lives. Yeah. But at the same time, at some point, we have to butt out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? For sure. So sometimes we have concerns and I am more guilty than anybody else. Uh, my father is uh, on the heavier side. Sure. And my concern for him is one, he is not getting any younger. Mm -hmm. And two, more importantly, is because that is impeding his uh, uh, movement. Sure. And that is a huge concern to me. Yeah. And now thinking back, I've done terrible things. Yeah. I meant well, yeah. but then you know they say the road to hell is paved with good, good intentions. intentions. <laughs> so that's exactly where I am. Yeah, uh, and uh, or at least I was. But I love my dad. I want him to be healthy. I want him to enjoy life. I think that if you love, you know, your dad, or if you love somebody in your life and you want them to be healthy, that is totally different than actually saying um, damaging things about their body. And I think that. Sometimes we can love each other to death, you know. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the uh, most hurtful comments that were said to me growing up were said because I love you. Even mm -hmm. from my mother, who literally mm -hmm. is like my my beacon of light. Like she was incredible. But a lot of the things that she said to me growing up about my weight and my size was her trying to love me <laughs> thin Yes. And led to my own self-harm. I battled with cutting for years yeah. um, and depression and whatnot. And so your big concern is your father's quality of life. Yeah? Absolutely. Absolutely. Quality of life is so much more than just if he's mobile based mm -hmm. on his weight or not. Right. Quality of life is what's going on in here. I'm tapping my head, guys. <laughs> um, and, and I think health. that's the important thing is, is finding that balance mm -hmm. and supporting each other through whole body health. Right. Fair yeah. Enough. You know, my thing is this. What are ways that you can keep your family member mm -hmm. feeling whole as a person mm -hmm. and supported and still support them on that journey? Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of you sitting down and going, I'm concerned that your weight is affecting your health. It's like, hey, let's go for a walk together. Mm -hmm. You know, I found this great recipe that I really like. Maybe we try it. Or maybe you have that conversation what once mm -hmm. and you just leave it be. Hmm. Right. Given that we've talked about body positivity so much so far, um, do you want to just kind of define what body positivity means to you? Sure. It's funny because um, body positivity 10 years ago looked like a bunch of radical fat babes on the internet sk saying, screw conventional beauty standards. I'm going to do it my way. Cellulite is cellulite and all of these other terms, <laughs> right? But like anything that becomes mainstream, 10 years later, we've got big companies who are co-opting this mm -hmm. and still whittling it down and marketing it and packaging it back mm -hmm. to us in a form that is twisted from its original version. Mm -hmm. So 
I love seeing Dove get on board and mm-hmm. do their campaign for real beauty mm-hmm. and really um, casting more diverse models, more diverse mm-hmm. body types, but they're mm-hmm. still airbrushing things. <laughs> and so body positivity is about loving all of yourself, mm-hmm. flaws and all, imperfections and all. And so how are you still packaging this back to us with a gaze that has a sheen on it, right? You're missing the point. Um, because everybody's mm-hmm. um, standard of beautiful is actually inherently different. Mm -hmm. And if we're not consistently homogenizing it by force feeding these images through Mm -hmm. media, Mm -hmm. um, we'd find that the same way that, you know, people like their food spiced differently or their hamburgers dressed differently, they're also going to find different things in life beautiful. Yeah. Fair enough. I keep thinking that like the only thing that people find attractive is this kind of like beauty standard that we uphold (laughs) in the Western world. But the more and more I talk to friends, the more I realize that, you know, my friends have all sorts of different kinds of types. Oh, yeah. Some of my friends like, you know, the silver fox kind of guy, mm-hmm. and I don't really. And then some of my friends, like my friend's boyfriend is like the nerdiest nerdy ever, and she's obsessed with him and finds him <laughs> so, so sexy. Mm-hmm. And there's so many different ways to be attractive. Yeah. And that's kind of really helped me feel a little more at home and comfy in my own body and be like, okay, you know. There will be people who will think you are the shit. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. And I think the more that um, we give ourselves permission to love ourselves exactly as we are. Right. The more we give other people the permission to do the same. (laughs) You know, find someone and love them exactly as they are and watch them bloom. Mm. Some of the most incredible self-love I've found is through finding my people in the queer community. Um, I have a couple of different friends whose favorite thing is the thing that I used to think everybody would hate in mine, and that's bulges. Mm. And I actually have like a smattering of friends who are like have Mm. have waxed philosophical about how that is the sexiest damn thing Mm -hmm. that they could ever see on a person. Mm -hmm. And who knew, right? Yeah. But I mean, (laughs) but there's a kink for everything, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I think if you can if you can learn that and make space for that, then you can recognize that there's space for your own unique beauty. Yeah. To be important and to be worthy and to exist and to be valid. Yeah. Right? For sure. I've heard a lot about body neutrality yep. and this idea that if it's if it feels unattainable to to love your body wholeheartedly, uh, that you know, going for acceptance and being just good with what you have is mm-hmm. I think some people find that more attainable. Body neutrality, I dig that. Yeah. I'm glad that it's there yeah. because it is the next step mm-hmm. to body positivity right. and it needs to be there because yeah. you don't make the le- leap from self-hatred to body positivity right. overnight. Right. Right. Yeah. You have to get to neutral and that's sometimes a dirty, ugly fight. Right. Um, depending on the day, mm-hmm. I'm 99% body positive with my body. Mm. If the stomach's hanging out more. If I'm getting new stretch marks out of the blue, that's yeah. a, li- <laughs> a thing that's been happening to me lately. I'm just embracing it. But there are days that I even find myself getting negative on myself and I might just be body neutral that day. But at least I can get to neutral rather than to body hatred or body Mm self-harm, you know, or body self-sabotage. Yeah. Because that's a slippery slope and I used to live down there for a long time. Do you think have you lost weight is an inappropriate question? I'm trying to think of it in a context where it wouldn't be. Uh, 
if somebody's going really public with their weight loss journey and they need you to mm-hmm. champion them and you see them and they're hoping that you notice that they've lost weight, I guess it could be positive. But again, as somebody who's recovered from an eating disorder, mm-hmm. I worry about that kind of disordered thinking. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Where we're rewarding each other for having mm-hmm. less mass. Right. It's such an alien thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I truly believe there's life on other planets, and I wonder mm-hmm. if they want, uh, run around worrying about how, how much gravity affects them mm-hmm. yeah. the way that we do here, yeah. you know? Because it's nuts. Yeah. And why, like, why do we need to co- comment on each other's mass? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still this weird, attainable, um, tangible compliment mm-hmm. yeah. to some people. Mm-hmm. Um, like, mm-hmm. for me, I just kind of don't comment on people's weight at all. But yeah. it's weird because we have no problem being like, you cut your hair. Yeah, it looks yeah, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess it's like, you lost weight. It looks great. Seems like an mm-hmm. okay zone. Yeah. But you, you have to understand the context that happens behind that. You don't necessarily know, has a person been sick? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have they been stressed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did they just lose someone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah, but if somebody's telling you each day, I, I've started going more to the gym and I've started cutting down on my carbs. So how about and- just, you look great. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. <laughs> it was such a pleasure meeting you. Thank you. The pleasure is all mine. Thanks so much for coming in. Oh, no, my pleasure. It was amazing. I mentioned to Ivory that I'm concerned about my dad's weight because I'm concerned about his health. I've always thought that weight and poor health were connected. Yeah, I think a lot of us have made that connection. So to find out more about that idea and where it comes from, I called up Kimmy Singh. She's a registered dietitian who calls herself the body positive dietitian. She runs a weight inclusive practice where she helps clients pursue a better relationship with their food and their bodies without promoting stuff like dieting and weight loss. Kimmy has also researched the impacts of weight stigma in healthcare. Here's her take on size and health. As a body positive dietitian, I don't think that there's a wrong way to have a body. I also don't think that we can just assume somebody's health status or the way they're eating or engaging in movement by looking at their body size. Kimmy told me that a lot of the negative health effects that we tend to associate with weight can actually be attributed to something called weight cycling. Weight cycling occurs when people go on diets and they end up dropping weight and then they ultimately end up gaining that weight back, sometimes gaining more, and they go to another diet again and it happens. And so it goes up and down, up and down. We find that people that have that history are at increased risk for the negative health effects that are associated with being at a larger body. To add to that, Kimmy said that losing weight often isn't effective. Between 95 to 98% of people that pursue intentional weight loss end up gaining not only the amount they lost back, but they also end up gaining more. So this idea that fat people are supposed to maybe like do certain things and then make their body smaller than they can achieve health isn't something that works for people when it's actually put to the test. Facing stigma based on weight can also impact your health. When healthcare providers are asked about how they perceive patients in larger bodies, they are less likely to trust patients in larger bodies. They're less likely to think that they're going to comply with recommendations. People are just not given diagnoses or not given further testing because doctors are saying, oh, this will go away if you just lose weight. Yeah, it continues in a way that really contributes to overall stress. Oh boy. <laughs> Canada. 
chain. Well, doesn't it derive from Agonyagawa? It's village. As Indigenous people, we are used to our stories getting a little twisted. So listen up as we set the record straight. I'm Ganyetio. Please join me as we hear from dozens of Indigenous people. Together, we will decolonize our words and our minds on the Telling Our Twisted Histories podcast. You can find episodes on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. What makes the question, have you lost weight, complicated is that people lose weight for lots of different reasons. It's not always intentional weight loss or healthy weight loss. Bob Kerr is a writer and comedian. He started losing weight in his first years of college. Over time, Bob's relationship with food became more and more difficult until it began to seriously impact his health. Just a note, Bob will be talking openly about his experience with an eating disorder. I was in college. It was my first year of college. And I had developed a crush on a girl. It became so severe that I didn't eat. I wasn't hungry at all. So I just didn't bother eating. And it wasn't something that I really thought about. It was just, I'm not hungry, so I'm not going to eat. And then a friend of mine, we were uh, at a hockey game, and he said, did you lose weight? You look good. And that was the first time I've ever, as, as, as someone who grew up as a chubby kid, that's the first time I've ever gotten a compliment on my appearance, ever. Right. And I, I really ran with it. I was like, well, I'll just keep doing that where I'm not eating. And then I also started exercising quite a lot. And it also uh, became all-consuming. It became very obsessive where I was checking the scale, you know, five to ten times a day. And So it, you wanted to lose even more weight? Absolutely, okay. yes. And then the thing was, in my head, it was, how low can I go? And mm. when I reflect on that now, it's kind of a scary thought because what's the ending of that? Do you know what I mean? Like, how yeah. low can I go until what? You mm. know what I mean? Until I drop dead or, mm. you know, until it gets really serious. Yeah. And I was also getting more compliments. In the early stages, You can nobody can tell. You know, it's it's only when it gets to a very severe point. But uh, people were saying, you look great, you look good. And again, this is still very new to someone who's, my whole identity in my life up to that point was that I was a fat kid, you know, uh, an overweight teen. So I just sort of reveled in like the attention that I was getting. It was something that I was never used to. Why do you think people were asking these questions and making these comments? Well, I, I think especially like when I started, I lost about 100 pounds. It's, it's a noticeable difference. It's kind of shocking to see if you haven't seen a person in a while and they've lost a significant amount of weight. I think that there is a jarring aspect to that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's something that is kind of unexpected. Um, and I, I think there is that compulsion to say something. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I was also a facilitator in this myself. Right. Because... Uh, because I took a great amount of pride in, in having lost this weight, despite the fact that I was doing it in a really unhealthy way. Mm. So I was showing people like, you know, my driver's license and they'd be like, oh my God, that is not you. Like they couldn't believe it. Right. And I was like reveling in that. Mm. You know, it was like candy to me. Right. 
when did it stop being candy to you? When did that sense of accomplishment feel different? Um, the first of all, the compliments stopped. Right. At this point, I was very emaciated, um, and I was pale, and I my hair was falling out as well, which is a side effect of like when your body is starting to shut down. Uh, that's when people started getting concerned. There was no more uh, compliments. It was like I was either sick or I was addicted to, like I was on heroin. But it's, it soon become that I had like a life-threatening illness, right. you know. And friends would come up to me and say like, you know, what's going on? And my mom was also super concerned, obviously. My parents were, uh, but my mom, you know, she pulled me aside and she gave me an ultimatum and said like, you know, we've called the cops mm -hmm. and they said that we could pull you out of school and put you in a hospital. Like we still have that power mm -hmm. and we will do that if you don't start making changes. Mm -hmm. At first it was like, I was sort of kidding myself. I was like, you don't get it, you know, mm -hmm. you know, like these people don't understand and I'm trying to accomplish something. But Bob, uh, the compliments stopped and now there were questions uh, being asked. So yeah. wasn't that not a trigger enough for you to understand, okay, now things have gone a little on the wrong side? Right. When you're deep into it, you just can't see what everybody else is seeing, especially the other tricky part about losing that much weight uh, that quick is I'd often look in the mirror uh, and the fat skin is still there. So there's the illusion that you're still imperfect. You know, and that's what I'm looking for is some type of perfection. Right. And so if there's all this loose skin, I still feel fat. Mm. And and that was never going to go away. Right. Eventually, I actually started eating to appease my mom, you know, because I didn't want to get taken out of school. That meant a lot to me. So I felt like there was a lot at stake. So it was, to me, I think it was sort of a gesture of like, Please don't worry about me. I'm going to try and figure this out. Mm. But you realize that by that time that there was a problem. Yeah. Okay. So she was trying to play maybe uh, reverse psychology or whatever she was trying to do. Yeah. But what would have helped you? Huh. And here I'm not talking about professional help. I'm yeah. just saying people who are close to you. That's a good question. Um I don't know, outside of like an intervention of like how it's affected other people, because I, I honestly couldn't see it outside of myself. And, and until my friend told me that people were questioning her character. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, why aren't you doing anything about this? Your friend is dying. Why aren't you saying anything? That That affected me in a a big way and I, she came and shared with you that that's yes. what people are saying and yes. that kind of motivated you to uh, it didn't make I never really thought about people around me being affected by it mm. it was such such a solitary thing that I felt like I could just do by myself mm -hmm. right you know? mm -hmm. and it was kind of like a silly thing to think that like it's just me being affected it's mm. my physical body being affected and that's it right mm. when you're when you're stuck in that sort of thing you, it's hard to see beyond yourself you know from what i usually see men with eating disorders aren't talked about a lot like the idea that men can have an eating disorder what was it like for you 
going through it. Did you know that that was a thing? I, I definitely was of the mind that anorexia was a, a female thing. It was right. only women had anorexia. So that that was easy for me to just brush off, mm -hmm. you know, as, as like that as a thing. Yeah. So, but that also distorted my views on what I was doing, obviously, because there wasn't a name for it. Right. Uh, and it also made me think that there wasn't a problem. Right. Men just don't have anorexia. And back in that day, you know, the internet was, I don't know, five years old or something. Oh, God. Like, yeah, I couldn't like you know look up male anorexia and try to find ways around it and the and the thing is, is i actually didn't get help which i regret deeply mm. it was something that i i always had this mindset that i had to do everything myself which is a damaging sort of mindset but mm -hmm. um i'm glad i pulled out of it but i it was i i think i'd made it much more difficult on myself mm. and that's the other thing too is like i did get out of it but the mental aspect of it didn't go away Golly. for a long long time i would say actually until maybe like five or six years ago mm. and this happened in my 20s oh my right. god this is like yeah. 50 but and i'm saying the mentality of yeah. it you know i was able to gain weight and and feel better but the, the whole distortion around it uh stuck around with me for a very long time mm. honestly when people said anything to me about my weight at all Mm. It was precarious. Right. You know, and they didn't realize, but there's an element of that experience that will that will stay with me forever, mm. you know. So at this time if anybody comments on your weight whichever way, uh it's it's okay. You you yeah. can you, it yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. bother you one way or the other. No. It mm. really doesn't. No, 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 no. Mm. But honestly, but and that's from a lot of time passing and therapy and right you know uh reading stuff that helps gain new perspectives on things right but it, it took it took a long time and right. yeah do you think that just in general is have you lost weight an inappropriate question i i it's not even that i find it inappropriate so much as i f i just wish that the idea of conversations centered around weight would just go away hmm. it's kind of small talk it feels like sometimes but i would just like the value of it to be diminished hmm. just a slight sidetrack so what happened to your crush okay <laughs> no that's a good it's like... <laughs> that's a, it's, it's a good ad back in chapter two we were introduced to <laughs> it's a good it's a good question uh so what happened is we went to see a movie then i told her i liked her and she said uh thanks and that was it <laughs> oh yeah 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 been there and oh. that was yeah, yeah, that yeah. was that that was that thank you so much for coming in bob it's thanks. been great thanks for having me alena after our conversation what i learned is Commenting on people's weight can be more harmful than helpful. It really can. I realized how many things that I don't need to worry about in my life because I'm I'm straight-sized. So things like Ivory spoke about being scrutinized for eating or people being asked why they don't exercise more. And I realized that I don't get that. And that's not something I think about a lot. I'm going to talk to my dad about his weight differently. Yeah, how so? I am not going to talk to him about his weight at all. 
my new mantra is live and let live. Okay, I like that. I support this. I'm Elena Hudgens Lyle and I'm Harvinder Vadva. Thanks for getting inappropriate with us. Many thanks to our guests Ivory, Kimmy Singh and Bob Kerr. If you're looking for some practical tips on body positivity or body neutrality, you can find some at our website, cbc.ca/iqpodcast, along with the transcript of this episode and other resources. Every episode of the show has its own companion webcomic that was made by an artist from the community we're featuring. This episode it was made by Molly Cronin. You can find it on our Instagram at iq_podcast. The tremendous trio behind this podcast are Sabrina Birch, Cindy Long, and Elena Hudgens-Lyle. The show is mixed by Andrew Norton. Our digital producer is Judy Zee Gu. The senior producer of CBC Podcasts is Tanya Springer, and the executive producer is Arif Narani. An inappropriate question is like telling your crush you like them and they don't say it back. For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.